I'm learning history in Cleveland, Tennessee. Old Coe Society, Five Points Museum. Welcome to the Curious Curators Podcast. Today we'll be talking about iconic music festivals. Let's go. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Curious Curators. I'm Hope. I'm Elijah. And I'm Lindsay. And before we get started, we do just want to let you know that today we are recording remotely. We have shelter-in-place orders because of COVID-19. So we are all at home. If you hear any funny noises, any lags, or any overlaps, we do apologize. That is just us doing our part. Or lawnmowers or cats or anything that comes with working (laughs) from home. I think the cats are fine. They'll be the new stars. It's not a problem. Um, But I guess we can go ahead and get started on this topic today because by the time this comes out, it will be early May, getting into summer. The weather will be nice. And you guys know what that means, right? It's music festival season. Woo! Yay. (laughs) I think that some festivals have already been postponed, so music festival season will actually be a little bit later this year. But we did want to talk to you about them a little bit just because, I mean, who doesn't love a good music festival? I don't. (laughs) But I do. Um, I like them. They're good. You don't either? No, I like them. Oh, I was like, you don't like them either? Dang. No, I should. Um, but yeah, we just thought that we would talk a little bit about music festivals today. It, um, I say this all the time. It's not always true, but it feels like it's a little bit topical. Um, so we just thought we would start out with a little bit of an early history of music festivals and maybe a little bit of an explanation, even though um, I think... Um, as far as things go, the title is pretty self-explanatory here. Yeah, like Death of Stalin. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> what you um, see is what you get. Exactly. <laughs> so music festivals are clearly festivals that involve music. And um, music, food, great outfits, the list well, I, goes on. I would, I would put one correction out there. It's a festival that focuses on music. Because there are lots of festivals that have music, but it's like, oh, it's the Pumpkin Fest. You know, there are musical stages, but that's not the star of the show. The star of the show is obviously the pumpkin shakes and the pumpkin burgers and the pumpkin waffles and the biggest pumpkin award. Somebody's been to the Circleville Pumpkin Show in Ohio. I have! I have! It's wonderful. I love the Circleville Pumpkin Show. So good. My family lives in Circleville. A lot of other festivals that i would rather go to than a pumpkin one but you're missing out hope yeah um i do i do agree with you they are definitely music centric festivals um their main focus is you could go to the fire festival instead of the pumpkin fest if you really want to go to a festival (laughs) (laughs) what what spelling of fire are you using here oh (laughs) f-y-r-e okay okay all right perfect perfect Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so music festivals have actually been around for a very long time. Um, some people call performances of music at the Pythian Games um, back in ancient Greece, like one of the first music festivals. 
Um, but I think that the festivals that we're going to be talking about today um, are definitely a more modern sense. There are usually, I'm going to say usually because you just never know, no hymns to Apollo or anything like that. But, um, <laughs> they sort of center on like music and peace and love. And, you know, they really started in the 60s um, with like kind of the definition or not even the definition, but the kind that we're going to be talking about really started like in the 1960s. Yeah, I think they called it, um, when I looked it up, it said rock music festivals began with Monterey in 1967. Right. And what I found. And yeah, they, they specifically so, called it, it wasn't necessarily always rock music, but that's kind of the genre of music festival that we're talking about is called. Yeah. And yeah. one thing that I saw was that the the term pop was often referred to, like, it was often like the Atlanta, I think it was the Atlanta Pop Festival. Yeah, was the one that happened national pop festival yeah yeah and there were several that were like that that were like considered pop festivals but today we would consider it like a rock and roll festival like we would and by the 1970s like the term pop for these festivals had pretty much disappeared so yeah and um i know like a lot of people probably think of like Woodstock as being like that defining moment in music festivals, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, even now looking like looking at kind of how like badly planned and everything that was, I'm still like I would have loved to go to Woodstock. Um, my, parent, <laughs> my mom was um, eight or seventeen um, during that summer of '69. And I always asked her like, did you want to go to Woodstock or like why didn't you? And she was like, well, I was 17 and your grandma wouldn't let me. But she said that they had wanted to go to the Atlanta festival. That was the one that they wanted to go mm. to, um, not Woodstock. So I don't know. I would have not gone to Woodstock. <laughs> I think I still would. Um, but, you know, to be perfectly honest, um, the whole like camping festival aspect just isn't really for me. I'm not much of a camper. I'm more of a like hoteler, but um, you know, absolutely not the traffic, the rain, the crowd. <laughs> absolutely not every aspect. I, I I don't like music festivals, and I would not have even gone to Woodstock even now if I was transported back in time. And it was like, Lindsay, do you want to go to Woodstock? I'm like, I probably wouldn't get there because everybody's in their freaking cars. Lined up down the road trying to get in, and so many people didn't even get in. It was standstill traffic. Yeah, you had to get the days early. Yeah. Oh yeah, they brought them in in like helicopters. Yeah. Which absolutely not cool, but you know, (laughs) I like. I I think I like just that idea of Woodstock, and of course, like so many of those musicians were like absolutely banging. Um, Oh, no, I love the music, and I probably would have been a hippie at that time, but I'm still not a music festival person. I would have gone to protests for sure, but not a music festival. (laughs) I honestly can't even um, say probably what I would have been a mess, probably, but, like, also, I'm a mess now in 2020, so, you know. I don't think... you know, 60, 70 years really changes that much. Um, so I would still be a mess, I'm sure. But I would have gone to Woodstock. 
or something. I would have tried to go to one of them because, you know, there were so many at that time. But I definitely would have gone to some of them. I like to think um, they were much more affordable back then as well. Or free. Yeah, Woodstock was free. Yeah, yeah like it would have been because, you know, like um, now, I mean, now you pay in a lot to go to a music festival. Like it's yeah. not a joke. Like it's expensive. Yeah, like what, $400? Yeah, I mean, depending on, and like, I mean, single day tickets are like still like $90 or something. Um, yeah. Which is. It, it really just, I mean, it just depends on the festival. Like the Riverbend Festival in Chattanooga is not nearly that expensive, but no, it's still expensive to go. For the weekend or something like that's not bad. But Riverbend isn't a camping festival either. Um, that's true. But. You know, you have some like Bonnaroo, which is also in Tennessee, that are, I mean, like $400 or something for like the weekend. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a Thursday to a Sunday, but it's still the weekend. And it's, I mean, that's expensive unless, um, like if you save up for all year or something, I understand. But it's, it's expensive to drop that much money on a ticket. Yeah. When I was looking at music festivals, the first one that I found was the Newport Jazz Festival in Newport, Rhode Island, which, like, obviously we don't think of jazz when we think of music festivals initially. Um, but that's, like, kind of where this, like, sort of the standard came from. And this is also, like, so this was held in 1954, July 17th and the 18th. Um, and some of the bigger artists that are we look to today as, like, some of the biggest names in jazz were – um, Ella Fitzgerald and Dizzy Gillespie, Gene Krupa and Billie Holiday. And the festival was like, it was all seated. And even today, like this is still a festival that you can go to in Newport. Um, but it was an all seated festival um, outside of a casino there in Newport. Um, and one of the cooler, the cooler things about this festival that we see today in even like right now, even during the the virus that we have going on, we'll see like different artists linking up across the internet and doing Zoom sessions and playing music or whatever. But this was like one of the first collaborations at like a live festival or anything like that. Like artists had sort of linked up before, but um, there was several collaborations between like the quartets and trios that were there. So it's, it kind of set the the standard for, okay, so there's these really powerhouse artists and they're all doing music together on a stage. And it doesn't matter about like who's getting the applause or what, what's happening, but people are just trying to have like an experience almost. Um, so that was um, one of I, the first ones that I saw. I may have missed it. Uh, what year did that start? 1954 was the first oh, year wow. for the Newport Jazz Festival. Yeah, so real early, especially when we're talking about like mid-60s, late-60s is when all these other ones start to go down. Yeah, because they really boom in the early 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, I think it was a timing type of thing. Um, the late-60s, early-70s were kind of a little bit of a better um, – like it was a good atmosphere for festivals, I think. Um, you know, like the Summer of Love and all that. It was just a very good atmosphere for festivals. You didn't have um, – well, see, I'm saying this, and then I'm going to go on to contradict myself in a moment. 
but <laughs> didn't always have like that ton of violence and everything. Um, you didn't have like riots breaking out at festivals then. Um, and I say hmm. that just to say that in 1969, that all changed. So you got like a good, you got like a good two years, I guess of like nice peaceful festivals. Or if you're going back to 54, you got like a nice decade of really peaceful festivals. And then it all started to go downhill a little bit. Um, <laughs> and the festival that I'm talking about there would be the Altamont free concert, which was held at the Altamont speedway in California, hosted by the Rolling Stones. Um, it was a one day concert, December 6th, 1969. And I will kind of just go ahead and say that that one day could be called by Rolling Stone magazine, Rock and Roll's Worst All-Time Day, December 6th, a day when everything <laughs> went perfectly wrong. Amazing. Um, so if you don't know much about the Altamont Free Concert, um, the Rolling Stones hosted it. They had bands like Santana, Jefferson Airplane, the Flying Burrito Brothers, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, um, and the Grateful Dead with the Rolling Stones meant to be like the final act of the night. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't mean any shade when I say this next part, but um, they had security provided by the Hells Angels. Um, yeah, that's a big difference from a few months before when Woodstock security was the hog farm, which was yeah. a commune, and exactly. they called themselves please officers because they, were being, <laughs> yeah. they asked oh, yeah. nicely. Um, I will go ahead and say that um, from like records that you can find, the Hell's Angels did tell them like we're not security, um, and they were like, "Well, do you think you could like be crowd control?" And they were like, "Yeah, sure." So they then asked them, how much money do you want? And the guys told them, we really like beer. (laughs) Same. So um, you have a rock concert that is um, having security done by a group that says that they don't do security. And they are being paid in beer. Yeah. So basically things went like way up there. Things went crazy. The Grateful Dead, who are kind of known for being a little bit wild, declined to play because of the violence of the crowd. <laughs> okay, and like the Grateful wow. Dead just stopped touring like yesterday, practically. And they were like, we're not doing this. And the whole thing culminated in um, a man named Meredith Gray running um, at the stage while the Stones were playing and being stabbed to death. Um And this was just really bad. This was like a huge fail. Like it was, you know, it couldn't have been really any worse and it couldn't have been any different than Woodstock. But um, you guys have heard of Keith Richards, right? Who is in the Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I personally want to be as like chill as Keith Richards because I just want to tell you guys how he described this whole like day. Um. It was basically well handled, but lots of people were tired and a few tempers got frayed, but it was a good concert. (laughs) He was probably intoxicated. I aspire to that level of chill. Well, I mean, he's a rock star. He's probably seen some stuff. Yeah, that's true. This was like five years after they started. How much could he have possibly seen by then? 
Oh, honey. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like, let's ask him now. But, um, yeah, so that's actually, Ultima is actually one of, like, my favorite ones. I really like to just hear about the fails. Because well. someone got stabbed to death? No, <laughs> because you had this group of kids that were like, you know what would be a great idea for bouncers? A motorcycle club. <laughs> you know, Hope, a worrying amount of your favorite things include people <laughs> killing each other. They really and do. And I motorcycle gangs. You know, I just think that I say it wrong a lot of the time. I just like to read about things like this. And honestly, I have mad respect for Mick Jagger. So. This podcast is a production of the Alderman Group and the Museum Center at Five Points. Be sure to check out all our upcoming events on our website at museumcenter.org. That's museumcenter.org. Let's continue with the show. And if I'm, I, I may be mistaken, but my dad told me about this festival a long time ago. And he said that this, like there, the stage was incredibly short. Am I wrong? Or was like, when you were reading about it, was there, was the yeah, stage like, short? Yeah. Like very like low to the ground. Yeah. It seemed to me like he could have, um, from what they were saying is that like this man was like charging the stage and that he could have gotten on it. Yeah. Um, Wild. That's yeah. that's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, like um, I guess I don't know. Maybe like people just didn't. Clearly, this one wasn't really thought through, which I think is the case for like a lot of festivals in history. Um, is that they're just not all the way thought through. So yeah, do you guys have any more like interesting ones to kind of throw out there? Yeah, I mean, I have I have a few that I thought were super interesting. Um, sort of earlier before this, is before Woodstock, this is before um, some of the bigger ones that we're talking about. Um, in nineteen, in the spring of nineteen sixty three, there was a, a company that was formed, um, and basically, what we know of today as like the Renaissance Festival was born in Southern California. It was called the Renaissance Pleasure Fair of Southern California. Um, it was put on by like a, lo- a local radio station. And I know this sounds like it has nothing to do with anything, but it really does because from this, like from the setup and the teardown and like the multiple stages that they had throughout the fairgrounds in this, like for this Renaissance Festival, that is where the KFRC Fantasy Fair and Magic Mountain Music Festival in San Francisco on July, or no, it's June 10th, actually, 1967, set the stage for it. And this was like one of the, one of the first when it came to like this type of festival, they had 36,000 people show up and crammed them into a 4,000 seat amphitheater. They had to shuttle people up this mountain and they had like the grassroots were playing Jefferson airplane. This was when the doors were first starting their, their touring with the song um, light my fire. And so like this was a huge freaking deal, especially in the midst of all of the, like we're talking, this is like when the summer of love and all of those things are like, like those hippie movements are starting to pick up you have in san francisco there's tons of like the acid test series is what they called it which was going on in a different section of san francisco where they have people basically 
doing LSD all the time, just trying to protest the, the sort of authoritative government that's taking, that has the forefront and people were like speaking out against the hippies and all these things. But this was a huge deal because like local authors and like bigger names in, um, I guess the spotlight were coming to these events and were doing LSD and were doing like these more intense drugs. Um, so that is, those were some of the ones that I found that I thought were super interesting. Um, Lindsay, what, what, what did you, or some that you found? Um, so I was going to research Bonnaroo, um, which by the way, Bonnaroo is Creole slang, which means a really good time. Mm. Perfect. Fun fact, but I actually, I started to research Bonnaroo and I ended up doing the Wikipedia rabbit hole. Um, and it said that Bonnaroo was influenced by the rock concerts of the sixties and seventies, of course, and <laughs> the fish festivals of the late 1990s. I was like, I've heard of fish. So <laughs> fish with a pH. Right. So I actually ended up doing more research on the fish festivals. Um, so fish put on a series of festivals and concerts. Uh, I think 10 in all uh, starting in the nineties uh, starting in 1996. And they had, they were the only band, but it was a festival uh, usually over a series of days. And they usually had an attendance of 30 to 90,000 Uh the largest one was called Big Cypress. It was the fifth one, and it was held in 1999. They had 85,000 attendees. They did 16 hours of music over two nights. Their longest set was seven and a half hours. Jeez. <laughs> with porta potty, potty toilets on stage so that they could use the bathroom while on stage. Oh, my gosh. And security was placed to keep them from wimping out their words and leaving the stage. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> that's like so much. Yeah, that's really As that's... Hope would say that is so extra. <laughs> uh, it really is. Also fantastic, but like I think that would have been awful for the audience. Could you imagine just like standing there for 7 hours straight? I would probably be in tears by the time it was over. I don't think I want to listen to any band for 7 hours straight. No, especially not fish, probably. I mean, I could probably <laughs> listen to Machine Gun Kelly for seven hours straight. Oh, oh right. I should have known that was coming. <laughs> but I can't believe 85,000 people were like, yes, I will listen to fish for seven and a half hours straight. Yeah, no, that's really kind of crazy. That sounds absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, one of the fails that I found, which this one was interesting, and it sounded... Um, after I watched a documentary on Woodstock, it sounded very similar to Woodstock, but just less. There was like a hundred thousand people less. Um, it was called the Erie Canal Soda Pop Festival. Oh. Um, yeah, so it took place in. Technically, they were they were looking to use a place in Evansville, Indiana, but that fell through because the governor, like the, the mayor of Evansville was like, Hey, like you can't use this area anymore. And like signed like some sort of law or something like that. Um, but basically took place place on this place called bowl Island. And it was labor day weekend, 1972. 
um, they they expected that there was going to be like a max of about 50,000 people that would show up. They sold about 30,000 tickets in in advance and they expected about 50,000 to show up. Seems seems good, I guess. Um, no, not at all. There was 200,000 people at minimum that showed up to the festival, um, which is way more than <laughs> expected. Um, so it goes without saying that there was food shortages, water shortages. Um, halfway through the festival, there was like torrential downpour. Um, the food truck that was bringing all of the, the, the food back to the festival after they had learned, oh, wow, there's way more people here than we thought there was going to be. The food truck was hijacked, robbed, and then supposedly it was burned after <laughs> they stole all the food. And then the people at the at the festival were so mad that there was no food, there was no water, and that there were still these food trucks and these different RVs and food vendors that had sort of shown up that were still charging money that they start they just people started rioting and like it just got freaking crazy like bands were canceling and all sorts of stuff was going down but they they were pushing over these like RVs and things like that and um the setup like the lineup was Black Sabbath so if that tells you anything Joe Cocker the Almond Brothers Cheech and Chong were supposed to be there Fleetwood Mac there like there were so many like really influential bands that were going to be there and a lot of them canceled when they heard what was going on because it was just a ridiculous scene there was only like three or four police deputies that were on this island to patrol 200,000 people so it's that's one of my favorite ones that I researched (laughs) That's wild. That sounds absolutely horrifying. Yeah. I I don't think it was probably the best time for them. I mean, honestly, like um I can you can almost see some of the earlier fails happening like maybe they didn't get it, like they weren't sure like how many people were going to show up. They didn't think it would be that popular whatever but like as we get like later and later like as we get into like the 90s even and like today you would think that they would have it more like under control because music festivals have become such a thing. Um, but there's still so many that have just been such a mess, like Woodstock 99, for instance, um, which was, you know, 30 years after the original Woodstock. It was an attempt to emulate. It happened in New York. It was like, okay, this is going to be great. Um, they had, really popular bands from the time. So like Lent Biscuit, um, the Insane Clown <laughs> Posse, Cheryl Crow, Rage Against the Machine, Kid Rock, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Corn. Like, you know, Dang. they yeah. had like, a lot of people. Um, that is a 99 lineup. My it God. really is. Um, <laughs> it really is. And Cheryl Crow and Corn. Oh God. And Lent Biscuit. And Limp Biscuit. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and I know the Red Hot Chili Peppers still headline festivals like today. Um, Can that be any more 99? I really honestly don't think so. Um, and I wouldn't, I don't know, 99 was kind of, the 90s were that kind of grunge phase. Like people were kind of mad a lot of the time, you know, just like in theory there. But um, 
Woodstock 99 was literally could not have been more opposite than Woodstock, which was like Woodstock was this weekend of like peace and love and music. And Woodstock 99 was um, like a weekend of looting fires and sexual violence. Um, yeah, that's what it sounds like based on all the bands that you listed. It doesn't yeah. sound like it's going to be a peaceful time. <laughs> Actually, okay. The most peaceful uh, concert I ever saw was Slipknot. Really? really? I've never seen Absolutely. Slipknot. Everybody, well, I mean, the band was obviously, and there was a mosh pit and stuff, but everybody was really polite. There was and no pushing and, and shoving. Everybody stood in line. I mean, <laughs> and I've been to... Oh, I, I went to one of those emo concerts because my family was going and they're like, do you want to go? I went to a Gwen Stefani concert, Black Eyed Peas, Spice Girls, Backstreet Boys. Oh, man. Uh, I would literally die to see the Spice Girls. Uh, what was – there was another one. Oh, Green Day. Um and out of all of those, Slipknot, the attendees were the most polite. Like, they had a mosh pit, but it was a chill. I wasn't allowed to go. I was 14 at the time. But it was a it was a chill kind of experience. Everybody was very polite. And it's like, all right, people over there mosh. People over here don't mosh. You right. know, it Every, was... Everywhere I've been with a mosh pit, that seems to be quite... I mean, I'm sure everyone can tell that's not really my scene. But... Um, <laughs> I have been to like shows and festivals where that is a thing. And usually if you are not in the middle of that, like you really just want people to like let you stand there in silence, which is me. Um, but yeah, like, I, I mean, Woodstock 99 was like a fail, but I think it's so interesting that you say that like Slipknot was the most um, like chill concert you've ever been to. Cause I'm trying to think back and I'm like, the most chill concert I've ever been to was probably like Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> Which is like nothing against them. Um, I saw them in a cool. Actually, I think I talked. I talked about this in a a podcast before. I saw them um, in the Barlow's Ballroom in Glasgow. Um, but yeah, um, I I don't know. I feel like honestly, like there's so many music festivals now. We could probably sit here and talk about like them for hours because I think like music festivals have changed a little bit um now it's not so much like you know you just want to like be one with the music and some of them I'm sure but like it's not even just like being one with the music or anything else like it's a place to go it's a place to like see and be seen like festival wear is such a it's thing a, it's a place to get Instagram pictures yeah I think that's what it has turned into yeah you guys don't want to see my Instagram pictures from the festivals that I've been to. <laughs> Case and point. Oh, I promise you don't. Um, well, okay. I won't say that. Cause like, I know I did the last music festival I went to. I know I was like wearing like a lace crop top and a flower crown and everything. Um, wow. That transitions directly into the fire festival. Everybody. Oh, the fire festival. So, we can't leave this podcast without mentioning the Fire Festival. If you've never heard of or seen or if you were not paying attention to Twitter or Instagram or anything like that over the course of like 20 when was this? It was like 20 like 15 or something like that. Was it 16 maybe? 2017 was the year that this was supposed to happen. 
So the fire festival was a joke. Like this guy named Billy McFarland, um, and actually rapper Ja Rule, um, yep. tried to put together something basically just like this very expensive, very trendy music festival in the Bahamas, um, technically in the Exumas. What they <laughs> what they advertised was that it was Pablo Escobar's Pablo Escobar used to own the island. So that was kind of a ridiculous thing and they well, got in trouble for their, that too. That was yeah, that was their first location though. So it was a lot yeah. like Woodstock. And it's funny because uh during the documentary I saw, um, I'm sure you guys have probably seen it too. He said, well, this they had the same problems with Woodstock, and look how that turned out. Nobody remembers the bad stuff that happened at Woodstock. They yeah. remember the good. Because um, Woodstock had to change locations several times because they would pick a place, and the local community would revolt against it. So they'd mm-hmm. pick a new place. Um, but they originally did have a private island, and yeah. the story goes that they were under a strict contract that they couldn't like tell people that it used to be Pablo Escobar's Island. (laughs) And that was the first thing they did. So of course they got their down payment or their lease or whatever they had on it got booted. Then they had to find another adjacent private Island, which got booted. I can't remember what reason. And then they finally took a portion of Exuma, which was a populated Island. And they only, they didn't even have the whole thing, but they still continued to advertise Mm-hmm. with that first island like their pictures were still of the first that island. first video yeah and they still said like private island yeah so th- we see a lot of the i mean we're not we're not downing any of the well yes we are in, in a way but we're <laughs> the whole um sort of social media world blew up about this because it was such a it like he had all these models and famous like instagrammers and people like that who were who were basically posting pictures of just like his logo on their instagram like you had people like kim kardashian who posts things and like you had Haley bieber now but Haley baldwin then who was like seen on the beach like basically making you think like oh i'm gonna be hanging out with like all these popular and famous people, like we're just going to be chilling in the Bahamas listening to freaking music. Like that's so fun. No. Well, and the Fire <laughs> Festival is one of the reasons now that you have to indicate when it's an advertisement mm-hmm. on Instagram, because originally that wasn't there. Um, that wasn't something you had to do, but then it, because of the Fire Festival and they weren't saying that these were ads, they got into a lot of hot water. So now it's, much more important to indicate whenever you have an advertisement in a social media post. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. um, There's a lot of things that were learned from this festival. They didn't have any plans like really logistically worked out. I don't think they learned anything. Well, I think people have learned from their mistakes and well, actually I don't know that anybody was making these mistakes other than (laughs) Ja Rule. I mean, there's a reason, no offense meant, no shade thrown. There's a reason that, like, nobody talks about Ja Rule anymore. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And this, I feel like that was him, like, getting back in the game and then getting, like, kicked out and the door locked and everything else all over again. So. Yeah, very true. Poor guy, man. <laughs> but basically, they didn't, uh, 
they sold like 95% of their tickets in the first 48 hours. It was billed as like a luxury Mm -hmm. music festival. They canceled it like the first day. Mm -hmm. Like people got there and they realized logistically this wasn't going to work. They canceled it. Um, It was nothing was finished. They didn't end up paying their workers or a lot of the things that they said they would pay like customs and things like that. And they did not refund canceled tickets. Well, yeah, because they'd already blown all of their money. <laughs> and um, it was it was something, these tickets were something like $5,000. Yeah, yeah, it was like a luxury festival um, as opposed to like where normal festivals, if you're paying $5,000, like, I mean, if you pay $5,000 at like Coachella or something, like you're going to get what you're paying for, you know, like you're going to get access to VIP and all of this stuff. If you're paying $5,000 for a luxury festival anyway, and then you get nothing, like you better hope Ja Rule was, wasn't on that island because. <laughs> I think, I think what I remember from the fire festival the most is the tweet of the food. Oh my God. It's like, yeah. lettuce and, a, and like bread. Yeah. That's it's like an American slice aware. of cheese on like a piece of bread. <laughs> so gross. Um, to kind of finish up so we don't run out of time, do you guys want to kind of mention some festivals that we've been to? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've really only, when we started researching this, I realized how little I'd like been to music festivals. I go to concerts pretty regularly, but, um, really the only festivals that I've been to in Nashville, there's a free music festival called live on the green that pretty much every year I try to go to, um, because normally they get some pretty good artists out there. Um, and that's a that's pretty much low stakes. I mean, you just pay for parking and then you walk right into the festival and you're there. And so that's a pretty cool one. Um, and then the Columbus Mu- Music and Arts Festival, I've been to several times. Um, um, but there's like several that I really re- would love to go to. I just have never wanted to spend $400 going to a festival. Right. I feel you. Um, I've actually been, I've been to two, um, but I've never went to like a full weekend. I've only done days. So Mm -hmm. I went to Lollapalooza in 2014. Um, I wanted to see Eminem. So I went um, so Lollapalooza is in Chicago. It's in Grant Park. It's really big, like 400,000 people a year go. It's really cool. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, it was kind of overwhelming. But um, I think most of my stories come from the second festival that I've been to. It is a festival no more. Um, it was called Tea in the Park. It was a Scottish music festival at Strathallan Castle in like Perth. Scotland. So it wasn't very far from Glasgow, actually. I went in 2016. That was the last year of the festival. It has been like since replaced by one called Transmit, which is held on Glasgow Green. But um, this festival was smaller. It was about 70,000 people a day in 2016. Um, And we went to see two bands, um, the Cortiners um, and the Stone Roses. They're Mm. both English, I'm pretty sure, um, kind of like indie-ish rock bands. Um, I worked at a nightclub, and they were really popular in the nightclub that I worked at. And 
guys, when I tell you that like that whole day was so much, like you, you took a bus <laughs> to get there. And um, the Stone Roses were like the headliners of the day or whatever. So the last act. Gortiners were in the middle of the day. Um, like, honestly, I would have needed like a magic lamp, a genie and three wishes to see those two bands. And that is absolutely ridiculous because like, it's not even that big. But um, I sat like I went with like two friends um, and this is the one we were wearing flower crowns. We were wearing fanny packs. We were absolutely adoring like life. Um, <laughs> I feel like Hope friends. picked this topic so she could tell her music festival stories. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not even like it was something else. I totally missed the Cortinas, um, which I absolutely adore them. I saw them in concert later. It was it was okay. Um, I did hear like a DJ that I liked called Hannah Wants, and then we stood in front of the stage that the Stone Roses were going to play at for two hours. We listened to one song and we were just miserable and exhausted. And we left and we heard the song that we wanted to hear the whole time. This is the one from the parking lot trying to get back on the bus because we wanted to go home. Oof. I know that is, so that's my music festival fail. I think. Why do you want to go to more music festivals then? Oh, no, the fail was, in t- was entirely um, our fault. Like, we were just, we worked the night before. We should have taken off work because we left at, like, 7 a.m., and we didn't. So we probably got home around 5. We didn't sleep. Um, and it was just a very long, very warm day. Um, and by warm in Scotland, I mean it was probably, like, 70 degrees. Um, but it was a very warm, very long day. But... I would not change a thing about it. I had an absolute ball. And like Elijah, I want to go to a lot more festivals. There's, I want to go to like EDC. I want to go to Tomorrowland. I want to go to Coachella. I mean, you would. It's a lot of money. You know what? Even though my last music festival experience was like wild, um, (laughs) I would, I would do it again. I'm so glad that I got to go that last year. Um, and an ATM machine, I was telling Elijah about this, an ATM machine got stolen from the festival grounds that year, and they never found it. It just, like, got up and walked away. Wow. The perfect heist. Well, I've been to Riverbend in Chattanooga maybe twice, and I never want to go to music festivals again. <laughs> I never want to go to a concert again. I'll be honest. Really? Wow. I, like, I don't know. I like to see, like, people. I don't know. Like, I've seen Willie Nelson, like, five times. Like, I just like to see people. You'd have hmm. to pay me to go to a concert. Dang. Unless well, it's, if like, you want, the symphony. If you want, you could go to Live on the Green in Nashville for free. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. But you have to pay for parking. Yeah, that's true. You get someone else to drive. It'll be fun. Well, I mean, you know... I'll go to the free ones. I'll go to the not free ones. I don't even mind. (laughs) We're going to have to make Lindsay love concerts again. Yeah. Yeah, that's not happening. And I think that's where we should end this podcast. (laughs) All right. That's fair. Um, Guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. And we will be back next week. Bye. 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 
Be sure to join us next time as we talk all things history and tell the story of the Ocoee region. I'm learning history in Cleveland, Tennessee. Ocoee's a society, Five Points Museum. Telling the story of our history. Coming together as community. I'm learning history in Cleveland, Tennessee. Ocoee Society, Five Points Museum. Telling the story of our history. Coming together as community.